Hello, everyone. I'm Ronnie McBrayer, and you are listening to Keeping the Faith. On this podcast, you will find my regular talks, the occasional interview, hopefully a little light from the Enneagram time to time, and hear conversations with friends on the ever-changing, ever-evolving nature of faith. If you are burned out on religion, to quote Eugene Peterson's marvelous paraphrase, but faith is still important to you, or if you consider yourself a spiritual exile with no real place of belief to call home, then I have you especially in mind, and I hope you'll stick around. Keeping the Faith is brought to you without ads or commercial interruption of any kind, except for this one invitation. I have friends who are inspired by what they hear from Keeping the Faith, and those friends support my work. But you can support this podcast as well by buying me a coffee. Buy Me a Coffee is a tiny little link where you can throw a few bucks into my tip jar and keep me busy behind the counter serving up the best episodes I have to offer. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com slash McBrayer, and you can easily and securely donate to the cause. You can also go to my website, RonnieMcBrayer.org, and click on Podcast. You will find several ways to lend a hand, and you can also choose your favorite listening platform, be it Apple, Podbean, or Spotify, so that you will never miss a single life-changing, day-making, death-defying episode. Thank you for being a regular listener. I wonder if any of you recognize this man on the screen. Apologies to those of you who are listening to audio only. Anybody? For those of a certain age and demographic, he is as recognizable as Kanye or Taylor Swift today. This is Ernest Tubb. His western swing, Texas twang, and honky-tonk tunes were the staple of country music throughout the 1940s, the 1950s, and into the 1960s. Driving nails in my coffin, waltz across Texas, Soldier's Last Letter, Have You Ever Been Lonely, Have You Ever Been Blue, and of course, I'm Walking the Floor Over You, his signature song. In 1949, Ernest Tubb decided to make a Christmas album. He chose a song he had heard in a western, largely unknown at that point, but you know it, Blue Christmas. Tubb's version is in his signature style, Texas swing, steel guitar, strong Baritone vocals right on the edge of a yodel, haunting, pure country, and not today's version of hip hop or whatever is being vomited out of Nashville, Tennessee these days. I'm talking about break your heart, buy me a beer, hear that lonesome whippoorwill country music. And for those of an evolved sense of musical taste, we know it's classic and unrivaled, but I digress. Old Ernest had another hit on his hand with Blue Christmas. It dominated the holiday radio for the next 15 years. And almost every country act got in on the act, incorporating the song into their shows and putting it on Christmas albums. This would include a crossover star before there was a crossover, a young man who idolized Ernest Tubb and first heard Tubb's Blue Christmas when he was only 14 years old. And you know who it is, Elvis Presley. This is a picture of his Christmas album. We had that in my house. It was the only thing that ever came close to rock and roll in our house. 
Elvis first recorded Blue Christmas in 1957 for his first Christmas album. It didn't get much attention. It wasn't released as a radio signal single until 1964. But after that, Elvis Presley's rendition of Blue Christmas became the standard, and it remains so even to today. And as an aside, Blue Christmas was written by these two men, Jay Johnson and Billy Hayes, men you have never heard of. Their previous big hit was, Who Shot a Hole in My Sombrero? They thanked God, I guarantee you, every day of their lives for the rest of their life for Elvis Presley. Because they both died quite wealthy because of that one song, One Hit Wonders. But back to Elvis. Elvis wanted to record Blue Christmas as close to Tubbs' original version as he could get. Out of respect and honor of a man that he idolized. But Elvis was a rock and roll phenom. There was no way that the colonel or any of those record producers out of New York were going to let the king of rock and roll lay down a track that sounded like Ernest Tubb. So just before recording, with a chunk of passive-aggressive spite, Elvis turned to the Jordanaires, his backup band, and instructed them to tank the arrangement with such ferocity and with such goofiness that the record company would never even think about releasing the record. So when the record button was hit, Elvis said, let's get this over with. And the record company loved it. And so did everybody else, it seems. Especially Jay Johnson and Billy Hayes. Blue Christmas was sung and recorded by Elvis when he was genuinely blue, or at least cranky. He wasn't happy about things. And you can't have the king being unhappy, can you? At Christmas? I mean, it is the most wonderful time of the year, right? The party's on, right? The feeling's here. It only comes once a year. We're simply having... I hate that song. It's a beautiful sight. We're happy tonight walking in a winter wonderland. Happy, shouldn't we be? I don't know about should or could or would. And maybe this is my own chunk of passive aggressive spite. But rather than feeling all the joy and happiness of the season, sometimes at Christmas you just want to quote Elvis. Let's get this over with. And there are good reasons to feel that way. And I'm going to validate for a few minutes All of your internal scrooges that you have. I mean, first of all, have you lived on this planet the last two years? Jeez. I mean, it's been enough to take the starch out of anybody's underpants, no matter how optimistic you are. There's been so much loss of loved ones and friends and health and time and opportunity. For my own part, I've buried more than 40 people in the last 18 months. Friends, family, parishioners, old schoolmates. Like you, I haven't seen much of my kids. Circumstance and the pandemic haven't allowed it. Travel restrictions have destroyed so many of my plans. My youngest son essentially lost the last year and a half of his high school career. All of it beyond anyone's control. And all of it reason to feel blue. The polarization in our society, the extremism has pulled so many people apart. There's so much to lament. There's so much to grieve. 
And then there are the garden variety stresses that surround, that infiltrate, that are caused by the holidays. Those family gatherings that we always dread, but we always go to, but we always despise. You know what I'm talking about, right? The extra anxiety of getting just the right gift for just the right person. The extra weight on the old budget from getting those gifts. Making sure that we included everyone because if you skip Cousin Larry but include Aunt Carol, you know it's going to get back to him and you know how he is. That's why you tried to eliminate him in the first place. We have all these expectations, we make all of these assumptions, and we build these massive holiday systems that we think will deliver happiness. And while sometimes they do, they do, just as often they can fail. And we must learn again and again, relearning, that happiness, joy, the word for the day, contentment, gratification, satisfaction, joy is an inside job. Christmas can make you blue. But, you know, so can January and Easter and the 4th of July and Thanksgiving and your birthday. It's the way of the world to make us blue. Whatever it is. Joy is something that has to generate from within, not without. It has to auto-replenish. It has to be a renewable energy source. You have to think of happiness and joy from without, sort of like fossil energy. It'll keep you warm. It'll turn the lights on. But once it's burned up, it's burned up. And you have to go find some more of it. But joy from within is like fusion. It's like putting the solar panels out. It's like having what you need to be self-sustaining with your joy rather than counting on everything around you. Try to capture joy out there and you will find little of it. Count on Christmas to do it for you. Put your happiness eggs in the basket of the exterior and you'll do okay. Hope to find lasting joy in a gift exchange, in a Christmas party, or whatever you're doing. You'll stumble across some of that, but it won't last. And you can so quickly be left with disappointment. Find that joy within and it will last longer than the 12 days of Christmas. It will last longer than Advent. It might wax and wane, but you cannot exhaust the kind of joy that Paul was talking about, the kind that I'm talking about today. Our text that Anna read this morning, Philippians 3 and 4, hanging out in Philippians for Advent. Paul begins talking about joy and he says, he opens those verses with, Whatever happens. And it's as if he was anticipating 2020 and 2021. Whatever happens. The point being, events and circumstances around you are going to be unpredictable and unreliable. And so are people at times. Anything that could happen, might happen. And the people and places and things that you count on might be there, and they might not. Sometimes the cards will fall your way, and sometimes they won't. Sometimes people really come through for you in the pinch, and sometimes they'll break your heart. You can't really prepare for all possibilities and all outcomes. You can only expect that something unexpected will happen. 
Whatever happens will happen. Case in point. Yeah, this is, I was going to say this is my tire, but it's not a tire. Not anymore. Tam Robica, Savannah's mother, says it's called tread separation. Is that right? And that I should, I should see the manufacturer. Well, let me tell you when this happened. Um, I was coming home late, of course. It was dark. The Bulldogs had lost. I don't want to talk about it. I had to pack for a trip to Vanderbilt. I was tired. I was coughing my head off after singing a few songs. And then this happens. Tread separation. I put that little cheese wheel spare tire on, you know, go to the tire place. And I said, I'm going out of town. Can you give me a tire? They said, oh, sure. They call me in Nashville and they say, oh, we can't put one tire on this car because, you know, you need to keep the balance. So we got to replace the two on the front. And I said, fine, replace them. They call me back two hours later. Oh, my God, this car is all wheel drive. You can't replace two tires. You have to replace them all. Merry Christmas. That's when you call, right? Whatever happens, hang on to that joy. Well, whatever happens is going to happen. It may be that trivial as it may seem. Thank God everybody's safe and sound. But Paul didn't say, notice, smile even though your heart is breaking. Did he? He didn't say, you're too blessed to be stressed. He didn't say, just remember, God lets everything happen for a reason. He didn't say, God will never give you more than you can bear. He didn't say, you just need to find a way to rise above your circumstances. By the way, all of those previous statements are in the top ten, the top high-ranking stupid statements of the dumbest things that Christians can say. Paul said rejoice. So this has to mean more than grin and bear it. It has to mean more than don't worry, be happy. It has to mean more than maintaining this superficial buoyancy when everything has been blown to smithereens. Well, we know what he means. There are several Greek words that can be translated to the English equivalent of joy, but the word that Paul uses here three times in these few verses speaks to what is going on inside of us in our hearts. The word is Cairo, and that's not academic. It is a form of the Greek word charis or grace. What is grace? Loving kindness, undeserved goodness, audacious, scandalous mercy. In the words of Brendan Manning, my deepest awareness is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or to deserve it. That is grace. And that is why in the order of the Sundays of Advent, joy follows love. It has to. When you know that you are genuinely and eternally loved, you can bear the times when whatever happens, happens. When you know that you are genuinely and eternally loved, it becomes a joyful insulation against the slings and arrows of this world. When you know that nothing, and I mean nothing, 
can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You might stumble, you might fall, you might doubt, you might waver, you will sometimes want to give up, but you will always find your footing again. You will always get back up. You will always find a way to keep going because that is the power that love has in our lives. When we are powered by the grace of God. The evangelist who would come to my church when I was growing up would always preach about sin and um, personal and private transgressions and uh, going to heaven and Escaping hell. Anybody raised in that same type of thing? That one of them would say, uh, Heaven's sweet and hell's hot, and you're going to go to one of them, ready or not. He would say that every time. He would, Who does that? That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> and at the, at the end of every sermon, when these guys would come in, they would always give the same sort of high-pressure invitation. It went something like this. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that if you were to die tonight, you would go to heaven? Pressure. I mean, I was 10, 11 years old. I didn't want to think about that. But based on that, and in light of that, let me ask you a similar question. Do you know, do you know, do you know that you know that as you live and breathe and sit here in these chairs this morning, that you are the object of God's undying love and affection? Do you know that? Because if you know that, that makes all the difference. Because love planted in our hearts, in our lives, actuated in our lives, comes out as joy. Because you can put up with a whole lot of whatever happens if you know that love is on your side. There's a legendary story, (laughs) factual story, true story, that happened in our house years ago. It was during a period when the older boys were in puberty and Cindy was in premenopause and I was insane. And whew, everything was burning down. You ever had those seasons in your life? Everything is on fire. It's all burning to the ground. Finances, family, housing, work, you name it. It was all just a mess. I came on one evening and Cindy's sitting Back swing, beer cans everywhere, shaking, (laughs) crying. I put my arms around her and sincerely supportive, non-patronizing. Pulled her to my chest and said, but honey, I love you. (laughs) To which she said, that doesn't fix anything. And she was right. And she was wrong. Love doesn't fix things. But love makes things bearable. 
Just because we say Jesus loved the world and I got Jesus in my heart doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time. But if you know that God is on your side, if you know that the God who created all is in your corner, if you know that God loves you, truly, well, whatever happens becomes a lot more bearable. And it's something that we call joy. A woman goes into this little store, little farmer's market that just opened on her street. She walks in and lo and behold, God is the proprietor. There's God standing behind the counter in an apron. She can't believe it. She says, oh my God. He says, yes. She says, what do you sell here? He said, Anything your heart desires, but it's not really for sale. I'll give it to you. And she says, I want a life without fear. I want joy, unspeakable. That the Bible talks about, I want to know every day that you love me. And I want everyone in the world to know that same thing. And God smiles and says, my dear, I think you misunderstand. I don't give away the fruits here. I can only give you the seeds. And I think that's about right. Because everything that we go looking for is already here. God's already given it to you. It just becomes a question of whether we will live it. Grace, we call love, put into action in our lives, becomes the joy of the Lord. You have been listening to Keeping the Faith, the podcast home of yours truly, Ronnie McBrayer. You can follow me on Facebook or Twitter, whatever your socialization preference may be. At Ronnie McBrayer will get you there in either case. Visit my website at RonnieMcBrayer.org. And there you can stay up to date on my speaking schedule, books I have written, projects just over the widening horizon. And yes, you can find out more about me than anyone truly wishes to know. Thanks to Shutterstock Incorporated, located in New York City's Empire State Building, no less, for producing and licensing my theme music. Bobby Rains provides recording and technical expertise. Tim Riles created the Keeping the Faith logo and artwork. And land sunshine on my shoulder crow is credited with any and all photography. And as always, Toby and Mo, the two small wonder dogs that run my home, assisted with all editing. I'm Ronnie McBrayer. This has been Keeping the Faith, and I thank you for listening.